0: Hey folks, Randy Newberg here. We are doing another episode of Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio. This time it is me and my buddy, Tom Sather, Dr. Tom Sather, optometrist here in Bozeman, Montana. We're going to talk about all the things that a hunter wants to know about his eyes and his vision and low light and disease and nutrition and getting old (laughs) Uh, tom's a great guy huge volunteer in so many conservation groups throughout his hunting life and his business life um and he's my optometrist and he's the one who rescued an antelope hunt for me one time when i broke my glasses in camp he's the one who told me you know what i normally don't like people to get LASIKs, but you're a great candidate you should go get it which was 13 years ago thank you tom And, uh, he's treated a lot of my friends who are hunters and shooters, um, because he hunts and shoots so much. He understands all this stuff, how it applies to the things we love. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, but before we do that, I want to thank Leupold for being the title sponsor of Hunt Talk Radio. Uh, go to leupold.com and, uh, Yeah. Check out all their cool stuff. And if you want to buy Leupold Optics, uh, go to GoHunt.com. They carry Leupold Optics. And Nosler, um, man, it's crazy what little ammo is on the shelf these days. I talk to my friends at Nosler. They're like, Randy, we are running at max capacity to keep up. Um, (laughs) It's just crazy. Oh, my goodness. But anyhow, uh, go to Nosler.com check out all their line of ammo. Uh, You see what we use. Um, We use their their factory ammo. Uh, And we kind of stick to three different um, bullets in ours e-tips the the non-lead alternative or acubons or partitions the old standby, by the partition uh they make some others um but we do mostly elk hunting and those are the three preferred bullets uh, i think most elk hunters would default to so nodler.com go there check it out uh wild alaska seafood box man i had some more salmon the other night thanks john uh Go to wildalaskaseafoodbox.com, check out how John is helping these small fishermen who are involved in the sustainable resource movement up in Alaska, and how he's helping them deliver their catch to your door. And when you do that and sign up for one of his seafood subscriptions and use promo code Randy, he's going to give you scallops for the life of your subscription. Mystery Ranch. Uh, Mystery Ranch is a pack. I've been, I mean, they're here in Billsman. The, the the guru, the, the genius of packs, in my mind, is Dana Gleason, uh, who, if you're in the pack world, you know of Dana. Uh, he's been doing this since Moby Dick was a minnow. And I bought my first pack from them in 2006, bought another one in 2007, another one in 2008. I've been using them. Before I ever started these platforms. But a lot of people ask us, Randy, what packs are those that you use? They look like they compress down so flat for a great day pack, and then you guys use them for load haulers? Yep, those are mystery range packs. Uh, the one I most often use is a Metcalf, uh, but I have Marshalls and Beartooths and Pintlers and uh, Pop Ups and stuff like that. But uh, again, Go to MrRanch.com, check them out, or if you wanna buy one, go to GoHunt.com. They're a huge retailer of Mr. Ranch packs. And when you check out at GoHunt and use promo code Randy on your Mr. Ranch pack or pretty much not all, not sale items, not Sitka gear, but pretty much everything else, you're gonna get a huge discount in your cart at the GoHunt.com gear shop by using promo code Randy at checkout. And uh, while we're on the subject to go hunt, they are one of the big supporters of all the public land and access stuff that we do, all the conservation stories we, we tell. Um, And they have this service called The Insider that gives you draw odds, research articles, uh, uh, just a whole list of things. And now it comes with 3D maps on your desktop. And I would bet by the time this podcast drops, the beta version of mobile maps that we're testing right now will be available to you as part of that subscription. So when you go to GoHunt.com to sign up for The Insider, use promo code Randy. They're going to give you a $50 gift card in their gift shop. And you're going to get all this great stuff. So with that, Tom, I'm going to hit this button over here, and you and I are going to have a really fun conversation. Thanks for being here, folks. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoy this one. Hey, folks, I told you that one of my longtime friends of 25 years was going to join us today. And it's not because he's a longtime friend. It's because he's the, the... The world's most famous hunting optometrist that I know, Dr. Tom Sather here from Bozeman. Tom, thanks for taking a day out of your busy fishing schedule to to join us. Well, you're welcome. Uh, Fishing's not that good right now. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, you'd have told me no. (laughs) Yeah, It's terrible, actually. You got to understand, Tom has been, some of you think that I've been doing this multi-state hunting stuff for a long time. I think you exceeded me by about 10 years on that, Tom.
1: When did you start hunting all these different states? In In the 80s? 82. 82. Because what I determined was that when I don't work, I don't get paid, and so my buddy and I, Sinclair and I, were hunting all these unlimited areas, and uh, for sheep, for sheep, yeah. And I mean, we we put in the time. I mean, we could hunt any of the units, yeah. You know, in those days, yeah. And man, uh, yeah, we tried everything, and we never got any. But some guys that we saw some, and and I figured out, geez, maybe I should just work and take that money that I'm not earning. And put in for hunts in out of states, and this was out of state, and this was before you could get the data. How yeah, many, how many guys? So I made friends with the ladies that had the data in each of the states. all the, all the secretaries, the at, secretaries. The, at the offices, mm-hmm. so, hmm. I call them every year. How many guys put in for? The, I mean, and boy, that worked pretty good. <laughs> uh, I mean, so. I do a Wyoming big crunchy peg on my first try. No way. Yeah, and same for moose in Wyoming. That's oh, where I killed you, that one that's, you know, that yeah. I think is 48 and a half inches. Yeah. In the Grovant. Huh. Yeah.
0: So you've had sheep tags in Wyoming, Montana. New Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah. 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 It, it must be clean living or, or just you
1: knew the inside track of there how There was do an it. inside track for a given number of years. Yeah. When they started Publish. putting out the publishing, the, the odds of draw, everything went to poop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Tom
0: has so much taxidermy that Jackie said you got to get rid of some of this stuff. So if you go to the Sportsman's Warehouse in Bozeman, Montana, you'll see some of Tom's critters there.
1: Yeah, I don't know how many's in there. Stuart Utgart, who started uh, Sportsman's Warehouse, came when I was president of the Montana Wild Sheep Foundation. He came to a board meeting mm-hmm. and he and he donated a bunch of rifles and shotguns and stuff. Yeah. And and he said, oh, "We're opening a store here in Postman, and we could use some heads to hang on the wall." And I said, "I happen to have a storage unit full of them." <laughs> and so they went and got them, and and polished the eyeballs, and vacuumed them, and insured them, and hung them on the wall. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, so it saved me eighty bucks a month.
0: <clears throat> well, there you go. So now Jackie's happy.
1: Yeah, she's happy. Yeah. Yep. Oh
0: man. No wonder you get to fish so much. Yeah. Last when I called you earlier this summer, you were in northern Wisconsin fishing muskies or bass or something. Mainly largemouth bass. Okay.
1: Yeah. And huh. it's it's so beautiful up there and the fishing is so good. Yeah. That uh we stayed there for twelve days. Hmm. And I'd have spent the whole summer there, but Jackie said, Oh, you can't do that. You got to go to work. No, she oh. said it's too nice in Bozeman in the summer. Oh. <laughs> true. Yeah, but so she's from Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah.
0: So that's the that's about eighty-five miles from where I grew up in Big Falls.
1: Yeah, I know where so, Big Falls is. Yeah.
0: So no one ever goes there.
1: No, <laughs> only if you're lost. Yeah, <laughs> or if you have family that you gotta go see. I've always been curious about what Big Falls looked like, and then all that. Ching -ching Swamp, whatever that thing is. Yeah, the big bog. Yeah. (laughs) And then they ditched it or something? Yeah.
0: Yeah. They they used to run all these, uh, they call them grades. They're like uh, old uh, logging skid trails that are in these uh, township type grid lines and what they do is in the wintertime, they'd go out into those frozen bogs and that's where they'd cut all the pulpwood. Oh yeah. And the way they'd get it out is on these skid grades. So they'd use back at the beginning they were using these drays, they call it. It's like a toboggan sled. You load it up and the horses haul it out on this frozen grade. Jeez. Uh, they they'd big ditches or, or dig big ditches and build up a mound of dirt what little dirt is there in the bog. And it, I mean, these are just straight lines. If when you fly over them, it looks like just grid lines on a, you know. So that's a, a big mosquito farm. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So all the way from, well, when you're coming from Grand Rapids and Deer River, about the time you get to what we call the second bridge, where the Big Fork River crosses, highway six, that's like twenty miles. So you got twenty miles to Big Falls. It's nothing but swamp. And Big Falls is this little piece of high ground surrounded. Not high well, when there when you say high ground, instead of being at a thousand feet of elevation, it's at a thousand and thirty feet elevation. So it's like thirty feet higher than right. the swamp. Yeah. And then if you go west all the way to Red Lake from Big Falls, it's just another huge bog. So In the summertime, it is, oh, man, it's a miserable, mosquito-infested, deer fly, horse fly. (laughs) That's that's why you never make it up that
1: way. Well, I kind of figured that's what was over there. (laughs) (laughs) Just looking at the map. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But,
0: Tom, you and I met because of our circles of conservation stuff. And then, in 1997, when the mule deer numbers crashed here in Montana after that hard winter, me and you and Vito mm-hmm. started that group called the Headwaters Fishing yeah. Game Association,
1: and we went and raised hell with. Anyone. Yeah, they brought us up to hell, and then all the big boys were in the room. Yeah, I that was.
0: It was surprising to me that a little group of ragtag guys like us, and then, you know, a bunch of volunteers from town jumped in and started helping out Shannon and others. Yeah. Uh, it surprised me that the legislature and the State Department, uh, State Department of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks would uh, invite us to. Yeah, they listened to us. Yeah. And they made some changes. Yeah, I mean, you guys went over to Mile City and pretty much got all those do tags cut out. You guys yep. were raising all kinds
1: of hell over there. Yeah, Tom. in fact, the chief, the chief big game biologist from the Mile City district was that came. Ensign. Yeah, Ensign. Yeah, he came to Helena.
0: Yeah. So yeah. that that's another place where Tom and I uh, ended up traveling and and conspiring against the world. And, mm-hmm. And then my he's my optometrist. He's the one who allows me to see things. And I drew a Sheldon antelope tag in 2007. And Tom and one of our buddies, Vaughn Everly, who people saw we film Vaughn sheep hunt. Up oh, the brave, that's right. Uh, they decided to come down to help me out. And the night before, or the morning before opening day, I put my spectacles on my cot and I sat down and I'm cussing and swearing because I completely mangled them and I yelled, hey doc, you got your repair kit with you? And somehow Tom was able to rebuild my glasses out in the desert of the the Sheldon Antelope range so that I could shoot a buck the next morning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I think that was the time you promised me or suggested that, you know, Randy, you might be a candidate for LASIK surgery. Yeah. And uh, so that December I went and got LASIK. Yep. Is, yep. It,
1: is it LASIK or LASIK? LASIK. Okay. So. it's uh, it's The actual name is Laser Assisted In-Situ Keratometry or, whatever. or something like that. All, right. All I know is it helped me see better. Oh, yeah. But since
0: then... My right eye, when I come in, you tell me my right eye is still perfect. And I I notice that when I'm out hunting. Or my left eye is still perfect. But my right eye must have adjusted for my reading and computer work. Because it's uh, when I close my left eye, I can't see very far out of my right eye. But when I close my right eye, I can see way out there. I mean, I can read. I'm looking at that building over there. I can read the address on it and everything. That's 200 yards away. But if I'm doing up-close work,
1: I notice that my right eye takes over everything. Yeah. Is that that kind of a normal progression of people? Well, what happens is we all have a little tiny lens inside our eye. It's behind the colored part of your eye. Mm -hmm. It's a crystalline lens. And throughout our life, it changes shape and density. Okay. And the right eye and the left eye might not change at the same rate. Probably never, hardly ever. Okay. And... So that's the lens that, if you live long enough, it, it becomes cloudy enough that you call it a cataract, and then you have cataract surgery. Okay. And so, any changes in prescription after uh, LASIK surgery in people over the age of fifty is generally due to changes in the shape and density of the crystalline lens. Okay. So that's what's happened. Huh. And they won't tune you up unless um, the best the uh, uncorrected acuity is. Drop to twenty, thirty, or less.
0: Yeah. Generally. Yeah, I called them and they said, oh, yeah, we can do a tune-up, but I, I found out that the second time they do it, it's not LASIK, it's something else.
1: Yeah, PRK. P- PRK. The, yeah, something. it's the other. Yeah. It, that depends on the thickness of the person's cornea, the front part of the eye. So and some people have to have PRK at yeah. the first shot. Oh, okay. Because they don't have enough cornea thickness to leave a bed. You want to leave a bed, I think it's a 480 microns. Otherwise, uh, the cornea can actually deform and, and you can mm-hmm. get ectasia, which is similar to keratoconus. But, yeah, they want to leave a minimum bed of, I think it's 480 microns. Okay. Yeah.
0: So when they told me what it would require that, you know, the, the success rates are a little lower than LASIK and the recovery period's a lot longer, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go to my buddy Tom and he'll give me a contact for that. Yeah, huh? that works. So you you give me a contact for my right eye. Yeah, I only wear one
1: contact. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate uh, you. Unfortunately, it seems like it's always the shooting eye. I know that goes south. That's that's my problem. I don't understand.
0: So, that. so with archery, I I have a range out at my my house. Dick and Kate, my neighbors across the street. If I stand <laughs> right on the edge of their driveway, uh oh, Tom Tom's getting an emergency call. No, here. I'm not. No oh a tea time, maybe someone maybe Colton's calling to tell you that the fish are biting, I doubt it I know. it's always spam, yeah, it's from Hollywood, Florida, Ah, uh, that's spam,
1: it's spam, yeah
0: so, so Colton will never he would never call you to tell you the fish are biting he, he's like I have to call him. stuff, yeah, yeah, so, but uh well, out in my yard i I can do seventy five yard in my archery range if I go and stand on dick and kate's driveway and uh but when I do that and because my right eye is the one that seems to be uh regressing mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah, quickest, you could call it that uh the either the pins are blurry and the target's clear or the target's blurry and the pins are clear so I've said, you know what, because of that, 40 yards is the maximum. Yeah, that's
1: what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Which,
0: that's why I archery hunt anyhow, is to get close. Yeah, yeah. I I was in Nevada last week, uh, still sporting the sunburn from it, and uh, I had a buck feeding broadside, 58 yards, had no idea I was there, but I passed. Back in the day when my eyes were better, I might have taken that shot on a relaxed buck at that far, but now... No. Yeah.
1: It's it just gets too blurry out there. So Yeah. Well that that whole subject of bow hunting um and pistol uh, pistol shooting
0: mm-hmm.
1: um is it's a little complicated because well pistols is less complicated because they're gonna usually shoot at twenty five yards. Yeah. And you can whatever the person's prescription is, you can plus it a half a diopter, move plus half a diopter. So that when they hold the pistol up, they can still see that target good enough. At twenty, and, hel- and, and it helps them see that front sight. Oh, okay. And the rear sight. Huh. And yeah, so th- I've done that for 100, 100 pistol shooters. okay. They just plus the prescription a little bit. And bow hunting is similar, but you're going to be possibly shooting out to 40 yards. You got to just find the happy medium. Yeah. And sometimes I'll have them bring their bow into my office because... Mm-hmm. Um, and we can sight on something out across the street yeah. and then just drop some trial lenses in front of their eye and find a happy medium and then figure out what that number needs to be. So right. there's some tricks there. Yeah. Huh. So that's
0: why every hunter, not every hunter, but why the majority of hunters I know go to see Tom Sather because he hunts, he knows all these problems that we're facing. How old are you, Tom? 69. What? Yeah. No way. Yeah. I can't believe that. I I thought you were only like three or four years older than I am. No. How much longer are you going to keep doing this?
1: Well, this is the, I'm in the last half of my 42nd year. So hopefully not more than another year. Okay. And then you're just going to fish. Well, uh, golf and fish and fish in places where there's no smoke. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. it's been smoky. That, Go somewhere.
0: Well, that fire west of town here two days ago? Yeah. Holy cow, it was... I mean, I live out kind of where you do, and we, we couldn't see the top of the Gallatin no. right there. It's, no, that's a shame. Great yeah. shame. But, uh, so the reason I say that is uh, I was going to drive all of these customers to come see you, but you're going to be retiring pretty soon. Yeah, they only got a year. So I better come in and get my prescription renewed and another big batch of contacts. Yeah. Um, maybe
1: a little bit more than a year, but um, huh. yeah, it's, you know, after 42 years, I mean, yeah. Phew, boy. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Although things are running pretty smooth <laughs> in my office, so I, know. I don't know. It's pretty why? much effortless. Yeah. Why would you
0: quit now, right? Huh? Other than the distraction. Unless, yeah. And you want to go somewhere in the wintertime.
1: Yeah. Oh, huh? that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You still go to Belize fishing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, although they closed the country right March in right. March. Yeah. Normally I would be down there. Yeah. Fishing. And I've been in contact with my guide down there and there are people are starving. Yeah. Cuz tourism drives the economy. The country's still closed, I believe. Wow.
0: Huh. So, it, those of you who say Newberg, how did you get your life in order that you decided to just quit being a CPA and hunt all the time. Well, the guy across the room from me here was kind of the example for me to follow of, well, if Tom's going to fish this many days, I'm fishing that many days. <laughs> if Tom's going to hunt this many days, I'm hunting this many days. So anyhow, you yeah. you do a great job of taking care of people with all these shooting and hunting and other yeah. perspectives that if you go to an optometrist or an ophthalmologist, they may not hunt or, or shoot and they
1: might not understand. Yeah. You know, one of the, some of the guys that I have done a lot of work with over the last 40 years were trap and skeet shooters. Mm-hmm. And so that Bud DeCot guy down in Arizona has always produced good trap and skeet glasses. Okay. And uh, what I have them. So there's three lighting conditions for trap and skeet sun, Cloudy days and under the lights mm. and so what I have them do is you know they determine well I shoot in the Thursday Night League in the winter or whatever, yeah, and so there's these boards of uh, different tints, mm-hmm. and everybody's eyes are a little bit different, and I just have them take those boards with all those little tint samples in they're pretty good sized, about the size of a bottom of a uh, good sized coffee cup, and then you get out there stand behind the shooters in the lighting condition in which you're probably going to shoot and just watch the birds through each of the different tints. And man, huh. there, there must be 30 of them, 30 tints now. Okay. And that's how you choose the tint color. Really? Based on when they got, how old he is, the condition of his eyes, and what are the lighting conditions and what color are the birds? Okay. I've seen a couple different colors. Right. You got the They're not all the orange. They're not all fluorescent orange. Uh-huh. And so... That works really good, huh? Yeah, and then you can get them if you're over the age of forty-five or fifty. You can get the Bud Cut glasses in the with a flat top bifocal down in the bottom, so that you can read the head stamp on the cartridge, <laughs> which is important. <laughs> yeah, you want to be able yeah, to do that. You want to be able to do that, and and you know what size the shot is, and then and then touching on eye protection while shooting, um, it's important to wear polycarbonate lenses of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're shooting even off a bench, setting in a gun. Because one day I was out there at Logan with Sinclair and we were setting in our guns and I dropped a 270 shell into a 7 mm and touched it off. Ooh. Basically blew me right off of the bench. <laughs> Pat thought I was dead. And uh and so the you know that expanded the the uh, bolt housing, yep. the receiver Enough that it blew bits of brass back along the bolt and totally pitted all the lenses, my lenses on both sides of my, and so if I had not had, and these are just my regular glasses, they weren't polycarbonate. If I hadn't had those on, I would be blind. Yeah. You know. Wow. It'd go, that crap would have gone right back to the retina. Yeah. So, yeah, it's important to wear um, protection when you're shooting and, and especially if you're bird hunting. Yeah. Because you don't know what the guy over the top of that next little hill is doing. Yep. yep. He, if he doesn't know where you are. And there's been some friends that we know of that got mm-hmm. BBs in the eye.
0: Yeah. I, uh, my uncle. Uh, we were in Arizona. This is my college days. When I say I enrolled at Arizona State, I didn't attend. I just enrolled and signed up for classes. Because the between the quail hunting, the dove hunting, and then the predator hunting, back before Phoenix was as big as it was, was just too good. Every morning, I'd be like, well, I got to work three hours this morning. Then what am I going to do? Well, I'm going quail hunting or dove hunting or coyote hunting. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we are dove hunting. Uh, My uncle Jimmer, we had the rule that when we walk across these cotton fields, we stay in a perfect line. Well, the... What would I say? The, the, the call of nature hits and Jim is like, oh man, my stomach's killing me. So he finds this little tree and uh, one of us wing a dove and it glides down and lands in this tree right where Jim is doing his business. Well, he stands up after he's done. I mean, this is just like, you think about the coincidence and timing of events Mm -hmm. for this to happen. Well, one of my friends goes to finish off the dove and Jim is right behind the tree. He has no idea Jim is there. And I'm yelling, don't shoot. And well, boom, he shoots and I see Jim fall down. I'm like, oh my gosh. I go running over there. I'm yelling for everyone, get over here. And uh, the pellets broke the skin. Fortunately, it was just whatever, seven and a half or, or eight shot. But he got one right in, in the corner of his right eye. Eek. I mean, like, I, but not in the eyeball itself, but like right where the tear duct is. Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, that is so close. That, I mean, that's close. What would have happened? And uh, he wasn't wearing. Protective lenses. Ooh, yeah. So yeah, gotta do that. Yeah, and it was a complete accident, you know. Yeah, we broke our protocol. Uh, everyone knew that you just shoot straight out in front of you, and everything's going to be fine, straight in front or straight behind. Well, little did we know that someone staggered along behind. And but yeah. So you were talking about these bifocal, trifocal, and today you hear all these things like progressives and transitions and mm-hmm. all this. Does that, I, I have a story I'll tell later, but does that create complications
1: when you shoot? Yeah. So progressive lenses are blended. Uh, the theory is it blends from your distance vision correction to a computer vision correction that's kind of in the middle of the lens. Mm-hmm. And and then your reading correction, which is in the very bottom of the lens. And those work good on computers as long as you get the monitor low enough. Um, however, they do create problems in shooting. And especially in bow shooting. Okay. And I'll be honest, I've never solved the problem in my office for bow hunters with progressive lenses. Because of the way their head... That's right. Their head is angled off. They're looking through the edge of the lens. That's where the blend is. It's blurry. Yeah. So, And I never solved that problem. But if you put just the distance vision correction in there, um, it seems to work okay. Yeah. It, It would be unusual to hold your head straight and shoot a bow yeah i mean it your head has to be turned to right because to you get got to an to the anchor cheek. point and yeah, everything to your anchor point yeah. yeah well
0: the story that i
1: have is
0: my uncle mike who is uh 70 no he's 69 same age as you are uh we're in new mexico last year and while we're letting him sight in he's addressing the rifle laid down almost pre- parallel or perpendicular depending on which way you're looking at but he's he's able to lay down and he looks straight perfect down the pipe and everything's going fine well we get out there and here's this really really nice bull i mean we scouted him for two days he's in the same little pocket opening morning we peek over and there he is and mike hunts predators in Northwest Minnesota out on these big grain fields. I mean, I've seen him make some ridiculous shots. So we get sneaking up there and we're going through these rock piles and this brush and we get up there and the angle that he's got to address the rifle at is a little bit more cockeyed. So he's, 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 uh, having to not be just the rocks and the brush and how is, he can get through that brush to get a shot angle. He's not looking straight at it. He's kind of got his head cocked a little bit like you would with archery. Mm-hmm. And he is struggling like hell to get that bull focused in the scope. And I, I think it's bedded. Well, then the, we're making so much commotion like Mike, he's right there. And he's like, I can't see. I, what's wrong with it? I can't see anything. And I'm looking, thinking there's brush in front of the scope or something. I'm clear out. No, it's not that. And finally, the bull stands up and he's looking around like something. I, I'm hearing some stuff and the bull's looking kind of towards us, which puts him looking into the sun. So he still can't see that well. And finally, Mike shoots and he shoots right over the top of it. And, uh, the bull looks back at the dirt mound behind him like, what was that? And it stands there for another 10, 12 seconds, and Mike puts another round in, and he's still struggling. He never, the bull trots off, and in this whole period, he never gets a good focus in the scope again. And I never, this never even dawned on me until I was talking to you, and I, I'd asked him, does he have these, you know, Mike, what kind of, glasses you wear. Oh, I have these really good new progressive things where, and I'm wondering if that is what caused it. For sure.
1: Okay. Yeah, for sure. You know, when you're on the range Mm -hmm. and you're wearing your progressive lenses, hopefully polycarbonate, Mm -hmm. and you can get your head straight. Right. But in the field, it's a whole different story. You, You could be leaning over a limb or laying down or kneeling and it's not the, it's, you're not in the same position as when you sighted in your gun. And that gets to the whole story about, um, parallax. Mm-hmm. Kind of takes us to parallax. Most people on the range don't have tr- trouble using their progressive lenses to shoot. Right. But in the field, it can be a difference. You just have to remember that when you're in the field. Yeah. You got to get the, you got to get lined up with the scope so that you're not looking through the blend of the lens. Yeah. But parallax is, uh, the parallax is something that causes the bullet not to go where it went on the range because your head, A, isn't in the same position, or more likely, B, you haven't refocused your reticle. Yeah. So, anytime you get new glasses, or if you're, you know your eyes are changing as you get older and you don't even wear glasses, every couple of years you got to take your rifle out to the range. And I like to put a white piece of paper three by three piece of paper at a hundred yards mm-hmm. and lay that rifle in, in, the, in the bench rest, get lined up behind the scope. Um, you know, try to be perfectly parallel or perpendicular to the, the objective of the scope and look through the scope and look at the crosshairs. You're not looking at the paper. Right. It'd be best if it's a blank piece of paper yeah. rather than a target. It, it works even better. Loosen the locking ring. On yep. the objective. Yeah. While you're looking to the um, rifle scope, after you've loosened the locking ring, turn the objective counterclockwise to your left un- until the crosshairs become blurry. Okay. Then go back. And when they first get clear, stop. Don't go past first clear. Okay. And then lock the ring. Huh. And if you get a new pair of glasses... Uh, your vision's changing. You had LASIK surgery, what, what cataract surgery, whatever. Uh, just make it a habit of always redoing that process to try to get rid of the parallax. So that so that what that means is that if your head isn't quite in the perfect same position as it was when you sighted the gun in on the gun range, mm-hmm. it's less of a factor. Okay, because you want your crosshairs to be at optical infinity. Yeah. So you don't. You want. Don't want them to not be at optical infinity. Yeah. Well, he was struggling. I felt so bad for him
0: because he, I've seen it. Like I said, I've seen him make some remarkable shots on red fox. I mean, a red fox compared to an elk when you're talking target size that I've seen him shoot red fox at 400 yards. And here's this bull elk. He shoots right over the top of it at
1: 320 yards. Well, you said he had these brand new progressive lenses. Yeah. And, uh, he, he, there were some things you can do when you get brand new progressive lenses for the first time. You take them to the range, see see where your head has to be to see clearly Yeah, through the rifle scope. Yeah, And he didn't do that, obviously.
0: Right. No, we, well, we meet up in New Mexico. Yeah. We're out in the field. We set up a target by camp, you know, lay out a mat. So it's the perfect condition where, right. all right, I can address the rifle perfectly. I can wiggle around. Okay, yeah, this is great. Well, then all of a sudden you got a rock or a cactus or something. You yeah. got to adjust your body position, and you're either more uphill or more downhill, and how you're addressing the rifle, and all of a sudden everything's different. Yeah, it's all it all goes bad. Yeah, I feel so bad for him because we did not know that at the time, and so he, he I, I thought he was going to just quit and start walking home. He, he just. Uh, did he it, find, Did he get one? Yeah, he ended up getting a, a four by five the next day. Okay. Um, but this was a really good one, and my family likes to boast of their shooting talents, and so leading up to this, I'm like, Mike, you think he could hit that one? Oh, I don't miss. So we've got all these all these clips of him saying, Oh, I could shoot that one with both eyes closed, you know, kind of the, the chuckling and, and giggling and then he it goes right over the top of it. But that's uh that's a really good piece of advice. I think anybody who is getting their either anything changed anything in their prescription, changes. anything related to their eyes. Yeah. Whether it's your archery whether your rifle, go and get that dialed in. Yeah, you got before to. Before you, and not probably just uh, dial it in based on the perfection of the range. Be thinking about how it's
1: affecting some of your improvised setups when yep. you're out in the field. Yep, yeah. Okay. Some rifle scopes I, I saw that companies advertise that they're um, parallax free at 100 yards. Well, sure. Beyond a hundred yards is a different story. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, like the new pulled VX5s that I shoot, they have the parallax adjustment on the left side. Cool. So they have infinity. Yeah. Which usually that's my default yeah. situation when I'm handing a rifle to a guest. Um, but it goes from 100 out to 600, and then beyond that, it goes to infinity. Well, I don't shoot past. <laughs> I, I I just I. I I, you know, we have this great range here out in Logan, Montana, just west of town, and I go out there and some of our buddies, like Kurt Bennett, have you ever seen Kurt out at the range? That guy is unbelievable. He just lays out there at those gongs way out there. Boom, boom. Doesn't matter the wind. I haven't wind, seen him in condition. a few years. Uh, we used to go hunting together all yeah, the time. I know. Well, if you want to see him go out to the range, he's out there just about every morning banging dang. gongs. Uh, <clears throat> so there's all those people out there that are just unbelievable marksmen, long range, whatever, and they got everything dialed in. But the thing I respect about guys like Kurt and others is when it comes to hunting, they aren't taking, you know, thousand yard shots. No. They're taking 300 shots or whatever and so for me I'm I'm kind of I'm not as good as they are at long range not even close but I follow the same principle that you know as I get older and my eyes aren't what they were when I was 25 I just yeah I'm I'm not pushing
1: my luck so when I was a young man when I used to we used to do a lot of coyote hunting that's how you you know when you shoot year-round at live animals that are running or moving or at various distances, you can become a pretty good shot, but as you get older and you get busy with your life and you don't shoot as much and you don't hunt coyotes anymore, yeah. your skills have evaporate, and so I probably wouldn't take anything over a 300-yard shot. Yeah. And so in today's world, people are like,
0: what do you mean over 300? Well, i I shoot 600 or 800 whatever, and I was like, you know what, if you can, more power to you, but I just... I yeah, I, it's not worth it to me to Mm-mm. to stretch the my I, my physical talents are one part, but then my physiology now is becoming <laughs> yeah it changes a, a constraint with age. But so the, yeah, how many times do you get the question? Should I get wear glasses, contacts, or get LASIK type surgery? Every patient?
1: No, I mean, frankly, LASIK refractive surgery works in my opinion, best between the ages of 25 and 40 yeah. when you have a stable prescription for a year or two. Yeah. After age 45, you know, you have those crystalline lens changes inside the eye. So you might hold really good vision for X number of years, but then when that lens starts changing, you got to keep up with that. You probably could end up back in glasses or contacts. Yeah. I think contacts probably are pr- pretty good for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, generally you want to correct both eyes for distance for hunting, yep. give you good binocular vision. So there's no big changes you have to make in your binoculars to see clearly out of each eye. Yeah. And, uh, now after age 25 or 50 and you put your distance contact lenses on, you know, t- to read a head stamp on a rifle cartridge, <laughs> you're going to have to put on some readers. <laughs> yeah. And so that's going to have to be in your pocket somewhere. Uh, that's what young now, camera guys are for. Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) No, that that one contact you give me for my right eye, it's very noticeable that, okay, I have to change the diopter settings on my binoculars. Mm -hmm. And I'm surprised how many people don't even know what the diopter settings are in their binoculars, but... If you grab someone's binoculars and it seems like the tubes are messed up, the odds are the diopter for them is probably set for them
1: and yeah. not for your prescription. Right. So, but uh, That's, They're probably not set. Those binoculars are probably not diopters. They're just a random bunch of numbers on the tube so okay. that you can look and see where it was with, right. and, and reset it there if someone yeah. else moves it. True, I doubt it's true. Diopters, yeah, no, right,
0: exactly. But and and they're either notches or numbers,
1: right. But it's it's similar
0: to, I mean, I call it, you know, adjust your diopter. I'm probably yeah. using the wrong term,
1: but uh, yeah, one one tube is fixed. Yep. So that's your that's the that's eye you focus. start with. Yeah. And then and you can either alternately close one eye and then the other eye while you're doing that, adjusting the one that turns, or some people can actually leave both eyes open and then all of a sudden you'll you'll have that, ah, that looks good. Yeah. And then that's the spot. I I can't do it that way. I got to do it one at a
0: time. Yeah. But, so, uh, forgot where I was going with that. Oh, oh, I know. Um, Back to contacts. Um, When I do that, because sometimes I hunt without the contact in my right eye. Yeah. Like if it's going to be super dusty or whatever. And so I got to adjust everything again Mm -hmm. back to, all right. So uh, I end up in this, having this mental mindset of having to remember, all right, late season when it's not dusty and it's cold, I don't got to worry about a lot of dirt in a contact lens. I'm wearing that contact lens. Mm -hmm. So I got to go adjust everything. Yeah, you do. Um, But contacts, you found, I I have super sensitive eyes where anything in my eye just harasses me to no end you found these, con- these super sensitive contacts for me that I use, and all of a sudden, I don't, I can put them in, and it's like I don't even have anything in my
1: eye. Yeah. Uh, well, con- soft contact lenses, for example, are made out of different materials. And the trend nowadays is, is for a silicone hydrogel hybrid polymer. And unfortunately, those don't wet as well, and aren't as comfortable in dry climate. And in the West... I mean, we're yeah. hunting in dry climates. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, to, and the probably the best ones to use are the, the ones you throw away every day, so you can put a new one in every day. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of sleeping in contacts, but there's a couple companies, Bosch & Loam, Siba, uh, that make dailies that you can throw away every day, including lenses for people with astigmatism mm. or myopia and astigmatism. And you just throw them away every day and they're made out of a polymer that st- stays wet longer and, and it's more comfortable for our climate. Okay. It, it's like we kind of got ignored and <laughs> the people that live in the flyover country or whatever they call us. Yeah. We kind of got ignored when they created the silicone hydrogel lenses because everybody on the coasts where they got all that humidity, they're fine. Yep. Yeah. But they're not fine here. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's some there's some contacts that are pretty good. So... Those of you who wear contacts and you're
0: coming out to Nevada or Utah or Montana or Wyoming, wherever it is, yeah, Arizona. and you come from Tennessee, yeah, you're probably going to notice a difference in how comfortable or uncomfortable your contacts are. Oh, they will. Yeah, yeah, and that's not a good time to find that out. No, and
1: then alternatively, you have people that go, "Yeah, boy, you know, I went to Hawaii for ten days and." I couldn't even feel my contacts. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. It's, um, that's the <laughs> other
0: converse. A- 88% humidity. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You could well, fit them with that. anything and they'd be comfortable. Yeah. So the downside of contacts is you don't have any protection. Your eyes, you know, if, if you aren't wearing no, some you sort don't. of ballistic lens in front of them, yep. Uh, problems. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a lot of shotgun shooters. Is it are shotguns more prone to have "quote unquote" debris like semi-automatic shotguns than rifles? of Anyway, not that or, I know of. Okay, because most of the guys I know who have had some sort of uh, incident with eye, you know, damage to an eye or or damage to their protective lenses seems to be coming from semi-automatic shotguns. And I didn't know if that was I don't know. Inherent I, don't, I don't
1: have any data okay. or information on that.
0: Okay, so that's part of why my next trip to see Dr. Shather is probably going to be me getting glasses again. Not that I need anything for my left eye, but for my right eye. And it's just, there's at times a pain of having contacts and then a protective lens in front of that. It almost seems like it'd be better to yep. do both. Yeah, well, you got to have some kind of protection. Yeah. I'm a. I am a, astounded at how many people go out
1: to our range and wear no protective. They're smarter bag. than me. They wouldn't drop a 270 shell into a 70 <laughs> mm t- touch it off.
0: <laughs> but in my shooting tote, I've got this great big tote. I have probably ten extra pairs of protective lenses, and if I see somebody out there, I'll ask them, "Hey, you want these? You know, you want to use these?" Because I just I yeah. hate to see somebody.
1: Well, Got you know, it. some people you'll, they'll buy a used gun. Yeah. You know, boy, that was a good price on this used gun. Go out to the range, and the headspace is wrong. Yeah. That can that can jack some pressures up. Yeah. And then things happen. Right. And not good things. No. <laughs> I remember one time, Pat and I went out to the range, and I think he would purchased. I'm going to say it was a, the ideal antelope cartridge, 257 Weatherby Magnum. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it was a custom rifle, not a Weatherby. Okay. But it was just the Weatherby cartridge. Yeah. And he starts shooting it at 100 yards and nothing, there's no holes in the paper. And so I get behind him and uh, the bullet is melting as it leaves the barrel. It's leaving a gray streak. (laughs) And uh, that was, I believe, a headspace issue. I'm not sure. Yeah. But he said, boy, I'm going to get rid of this thing. Yeah.
0: So when Tom refers to Pat, he's referring to Pat Sinclair, his longtime hunting buddy. That if you want to see somebody who's got it dialed in, uh, but as his his livelihood being a yeah. government trapper, he's a professional. Yeah, he's he spares no. Uh, no, I mean there there is no flaw in him or his equipment. Yeah, and it, I, I always tell people if. If you told me there were only two elk in Montana, and I had to pick who's going to go find it and shoot it, Pat is one of the guys, Kurt Rood is another one, and Tyler that, yeah. that
1: That's the three guys I'm putting my money on. Well, I'm supposed uh, to go salmon fishing up by the dam at Fort Peck in about two weeks, and I'll yeah. have to give Pat a, shoot him an email and go visit him and see what he's up to. Yeah. He's we we all if if we hunt long enough, we encounter
0: these characters like Pat, yeah, who just there's you know, some of them out there.
1: yeah, I mean that guy, yeah,, Anyhow. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, one thing I think we ought to talk about yeah. is uh um, cataracts we kind of talked about a little bit. Um, so when someone goes and you're older and you go to have cataract surgery, Um, there's multiple options for the type of implant lens that goes back in the eye. Uh, They have multifocal lenses now where you're supposed to be able to see in the distance and read. Um, And and in my opinion, when I have cataract surgery, I'm going to just ask the doctor to give me the best possible distance vision they can. Okay. And for people that have had LASIK surgery or PRK surgery, um, after they take out your cloudy lens, there's this machine called the Aura machine. Hmm. ORA, and it's an aberrometer, and it'll scan um, your eye and determine the exact or almost exact power of the implant lens that needs to go back in there. Hmm. And uh, that anybody that's had LASIK uh, or PRK, when they go to have cataract surgery, spend the extra money and get the oral machine run on you. And then uh, people like me who have a lot of astigmatism, I know that my implant lens is going to have to be what's called a toric lens, which is a lens that corrects astigmatism. Okay. And they make toric soft lenses, toric implants. And so I'm going to pay the extra money to get my astigmatism corrected in with my implant. Okay. So that's about all I need to say about cataracts. But hmm. macular degeneration is a disease of uh, people of northern European ancestry in general. And You, uh, you and me. Yes, any. Yeah. (laughs) I don't care if you're from Scotland, Sweden, Norway, you know, whatever. So it's important for us to protect our eyes when we're outside with sunglasses of a good quality, and a a hat helps a lot. Hmm. And a proper diet. Yeah. um, Don't smoke. Yeah. uh, And there's a whole list of risk factors and things you should do from. the government's ARED study, which is age-related eye disease study. And huh. this was a long-term study. I'm going to say it was two five-year studies, uh, double-blind studies, and uh, peer-reviewed um, studies. And they determined that, you know, you shouldn't smoke. Um, I'm reading from their piece of paper. Yeah. Eat plenty of dark leafy green vegetables, uh, oh. s- raw spinach, Kale, broccoli, or top three. Okay. Well, I make it with the broccoli. I'm
0: not a kale and spinach guy, but I eat enough broccoli. Yeah. Need my own broccoli farm.
1: Yep. Yeah. And then take a daily multivitamin supplement, unless oh. your doctor advises otherwise. Hmm. If you already have AMD, age-related macular degeneration, um, there some people will benefit by taking a, a Occuvite Preservision or uh, eye caps supplement just for the eye. And really? it would, it would be the a reds formula and uh, you know, consult with your eye care practitioner on whether you would benefit from that. If if you're having some early macular degeneration changes, What what is macular degeneration? Well, so it's... our skin has melanin in it that yep. protects us from the sun. Yeah. And, uh, so does our, our retina has melanin at, at its base. Really? I yeah. Don't know okay. Yep. It's, and that purpose of it is to protect our eyes from damage from UV light from the sun. Hmm. And uh, some people of Northern European ancestry, that, that nice uniform pigment layer under the macula of the eye, which is what we use to see detail, becomes either distorted, patchy, the pigment drops out, um, and... Doctors can see that okay. oftentimes, well, before the patient even knows they have a problem. Yeah. You can see that coming on. And, uh, you know, we'll dilate people and take pictures. And, and there's even a machine uh, that can measure the density of the pigment in the macula hmm. and, and tell the person if they're at risk. Okay. And, uh, hey, you really need to start wearing sunglasses. And so, 90% of the macular degeneration, maybe it's even greater than that, is the dry form for which we have no good treatment. Hmm. I'm sure many of you know about the wet form because you have a relative who's getting injections in the eye to slow its progression. Okay. So, and so we don't have anything to really treat and reverse dry macular degeneration. But by doing these things on on that I'm reading off this piece of paper, we can. Uh, slow or halt its progression. Maybe, okay. maybe not totally halt it, but slow its progression. So we we covered the vitamins, yep. Occuvite, Preservation, and Caps, And uh, now they're getting into some, um, I don't know, less re- uh, important things, in my opinion. Eat fish or take a fish oil supplement. And if you're going to take a fish oil supplement, um, I would recommend a quality one. Um, I would look at the food co-op in Bozeman if you're living in Bozeman. Um, There are some quality ones out there. There's also, you know, I'm not, the cheap ones I don't think are as good. Hmm. Exercise regularly and maintain a healthy weight. Well, that's a challenge. (laughs) I I guess I flunked that one.
0: (laughs) Uh, You look pretty lean, Tom.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) Eat fruits and nuts daily. Limit your intake of refined carbohydrates. These would be high glycemic index foods. Mm. You know, I imagine that includes French fries, unfortunately. (laughs) Keep your blood pressure and cholesterol under control. And, and of course, wear sunglasses to block UV and blue light that may cause eye damage. Now, on that subject, so most of the time nowadays when you get get glasses, um... You can get coatings on them. And many of the new coatings are three-layer coatings. One that reduces reflections so that people can see your eyes clearly without looking through lenses that are reflecting back at you. And you can see out more clearly because you're not getting reflections from behind you. Mm -hmm. So you have your anti-reflection coating. It'll have a UV blocker in it, which is good. Now, regular eyeglasses, even without coatings, block some UV, but not all of it. Yeah. And then they'll have a scratch coating. So they're, it's kind of a three-layer, and the coatings are, have gotten really good. Huh. I mean, I know my lenses are three years old, two or three years old. They don't have a scratch on them. But you got to clean them with right. anti-reflective cleaner. Not wind, If you clean them with Windex, it'll just remove it. Okay. You know, and, and then the microfiber cloth. So you got to take care of them properly. Yeah. Kind of like don't use those Windex-type products on the Anything objective lens basic, of your scope either. It's a base. Locating. Yeah, right. Yeah. A high pH. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, they got to, uh, this article continues on with the stop smoking. <laughs>
0: well, I, I passed the no smoking test. Yeah. I passed you the... You eat the broccoli. Yeah, I eat the broccoli. I eat a lot of fish. Um, I eat too much Dairy Queen. So, yeah, yeah. But I do have low cholesterol and low blood pressure. Yeah, so. that helps. Man, I'm... I'm I, I'm at
1: least scoring pretty well. I might be oh, yeah. at, uh, B minus or something. But, yeah. And then uh, the, the other uh, transition lenses are lenses that get lighter and darker. They're kind of interesting. Um, so that's different from progressive. Progressive yeah. is a type of multifocal lens. Transition is a tint that gets lighter and darker. So I had some of those, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not bad-mouthing them because they work great for some people. But when I tried wearing them on the golf course, um, if it was like 80 degrees or warmer and I had a hat on, they wouldn't turn. You know, mm. so the hat is blocking the sun right. from hitting the lenses and turning the chemical. Yeah. And they're temperature sensitive. So,
0: oh, really? Yeah, I, I didn't know that.
1: Warmer weather, I mean, they don't turn real good. Now, conversely, in cold weather, they really turn dark. Okay. And, uh, and, but it takes them a while to lighten up when you walk indoors. So yeah. I tried them, but lots of people like them because they live outside. And, yeah. Uh, retired, work in the garden. The other problem with some transition lenses is that under a car windshield, they don't really turn too good because a lot of the UV light that turns that chemical dark is screened out by the car windshield or truck okay. windshield. Okay. So that's kind of can be problematical. Huh. I always like Polaroid for driving, and because uh, it cuts the glare. and And as we get older, we need a little bit more light going back to our retina than when we were, because the lenses are getting a little cloudy. Yeah. So if you buy the really dark sunglasses, say a nice dark pair of Ray Bans, yeah, and you don't see as good, it's because the lenses are a little too dark for you. huh. So that generally gets, after age sixty, that gets me
0: to a point. So I'm I'm four and a half years away from age sixty, but my low light that that first fifteen minutes, twenty minutes in the morning, and the last half hour at night, I think my archery shooting gets cut down to twenty yards instead of forty yards.
1: Is that yeah. is it Just because That's as it. I've aged, the lenses are getting a little cloudy, so. That was brought home to me when I was 15 and my son was 18. Hold so on, you were 15 and 50, sh- 50, oh, and okay. he was 18. And all so right. we're driving down the road, and, he, and it's dawn. You know, I don't remember where we were. Yeah. Hey, Dad, you're you're driving by all the deer. <laughs> I said, what deer? <laughs> so I pull over to the side of the road, and he points out the window, and he goes, "Those deer." <laughs> And I pick up my binoculars. Sure enough, there's deer out there. Huh. <laughs> so, you know, his his crystalline lenses inside his eye at age 18 were perfectly clear. Yeah, and and he was he could see stuff. Yeah. Well,
0: I go out and purposely shoot right um, archery right away in the morning and uh, that last light at night, just trying to get all right. When is this time frame where? It happens really quickly for me. Like, okay, I can see really, really good, and within ten minutes, it's like, boy, things have went to hell here. And so I try to figure out when and where that is, yeah, and and it, adjust accordingly. I I'd like to think I could fight the the hands of Father
1: Time, but yeah. I don't think I'm going to win. It's a good thing we killed all our stuff when we were younger, because it <laughs> probably ain't going to happen now.
0: Oh. <laughs> uh. Oh gosh. Um, so we, we talked about eye protection and after an elk hunt in Colorado in 2016, I ended up in your office because I jabbed a, an Aspen stick or no, it was a piece of oak brush in my eye uh, packing an elk out. And I didn't wear eye protection while I was just out doing things. I, you know, I'd wear sunglasses and it was super bright out, but Man, that hurt. And you looked yep. at it, you said, hey, you got a scratch on something here. I'm going to send you to the ophthalmologist yeah. and have them look at it, and they'll give you some antibiotic
1: or something. Well, you see what you're worried about with that. Um, and that happens a lot where someone's going through the brush. Generally, br- it could even be trees, whatever, and they get poked in the eye. And what you're really worried about in those cases is a fungal infection. That's what you... Yeah. Yeah. and And so... You know, you look at the patient, and you start them on an antibiotic, and and they don't get any better. And it's time to culture it and really? send to the cornea specialist. Luckily, we have one in Bosman. Yeah. It's really good. Well, uh, you sent me over
0: there. I go over there. Actually, she saw me on a Saturday morning. Mm hmm. Uh, and she asked me, "Well, what were you doing?" Well, I was packing an elk out. And uh, she's like, "Well, you're wearing glasses, right? How did that? How did you get scratched on the eye wearing glasses?" Well, I wasn't wearing glasses. Oh my goodness, I I thought your lecture was pretty pretty solid. Hers was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd swear she was my mom or my wife or something. She man. was getting on you. Yeah, she was laying the the lecture to me. But point of that being is. Now, I, I have a hard case uh, that I carry in my pack that I put my sunglasses in. And they're what? Well, poly what? They're, Polycarbonate. Yeah. The, the, I just yeah, call them ballistic. Yeah. Ballistic sunglasses, loophole, yeah. makes them. And, and now I just wear them. It's like, you know, it is not worth another, no. the old stick in the eye. Anyone mm-hmm. who's the old saying of, oh, that's better than a stick in the eye, trust me. There's a lot of things that are better than a stick in the eye, (laughs) especially when you're packing an elk out of a crap hole somewhere in the the depths of a Colorado Canyon. Yep. Um, So what are, you you talked about macular degeneration. Are there other common
1: eye diseases that we see or maybe are age related or? Well, I mean. Um, those cataracts and macular degeneration are the two most common ones, but you know, you can also have problems with the surface of your eye Uh and we people who live out West often have dry eyes or inflamed eyes and, uh, wearing sunglasses, especially those that have a little bit of wrap to them Mm -hmm. can help reduce that inflammation because some people will get the little bumps on the white part of your eye. Yep they're called pinguicula. And then if they grow over the clear part of the eye, they're called pterygium. And we generally see those in the West. Ranchers get them bad. Um, But some kind of eye protection that wraps a little bit, uh, helps reduce wind, sun, wear a hat. Uh, But if the sunglasses are too wrapped, in my rule of thumb, is that somebody brings us a pair of sunglasses and into my office? say, can I get prescription in these? I'll measure the curve of the front of the lens, mm-hmm. and I have a little lens clock that I put on the lens. And if it's over eight diopters or over, I don't do it. I won't put prescription lenses in there because Why is that because the optics, in my opinion, don't work as well. They patients don't see as well. Okay, huh. you know if, if if you think of uh, aberrations in lenses you know, the Germans were the leaders in determining uh, what the curve of the lenses should be and how the lenses should be shaped for each prescription. Huh. So there's an optimal curve to the front of a lens for a given prescription. Both horizontal curve and vertical yeah, curve? Yeah, just the front, oh, the front okay. in general. And so if you, you get outside those parameters too far... By getting, trying to put a, let's say, put a a small prescription in a very curved lens, or a big prescription in a very curved lens, Mm. it just doesn't work as good. Really? Yeah. So I won't even do it anymore, because the chance of coming back from the lab and being functional and good is not good. Okay. So
0: a lot of us fish, in addition to hunt, I I can't imagine that going out to Fort Pack, our favorite walleye hole. In July, hot, bright sun, and leaving your sunglasses at home—I can't imagine
1: that does your eyes any favors in the long term. No, you want to have your sunglasses with you. I like Polaroids for that, yeah. and if you're over the age of fifty, yeah, I like to have the good side-to-side vision mm-hmm. in my Polaroids. Yeah, and uh, so I put a little flat-top bifocal in the bottom of my uh, any Polaroids that I have. Yeah, about. I found that twelve millimeters of a flat top bifocal is about the minimum to to uh, uh, use. Doing your fine work of threading the yeah, putting the the line in there, and it's getting dark or it's dusk or dawn. Yeah, and then what I'll do is I'll crank up the power for no matter how old the person is, I'll crank up the power of that bifocal two seventy five or three add. Yeah, in the bottom so that they can hold it close get it close to their chest out of the wind and yeah and actually yeah. actually tie their and actually their line. tie their knot yeah
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah between my wife and i the number of reader glasses that are in the glove box of our walleye boat <laughs> it's pitiful <Stiles> of them. <laughs> i'm chasing that hook around with that that line oh, not. it's like oh my goodness yeah it's uh
1: and i think gray and brown are really good colors for fishing yeah um yeah, I, I have only gray, but That's other people love too. brown because the frame's brown; it looks better. Uh-huh. But for saltwater guys, um, there is a wide variety of colors of uh, Polaroid lenses from a few different companies. Okay, KB Co. Um, and and again, there's samples uh, for saltwater flats fishing. It's generally a copper type of lens but there's other good ones so uh, salt water makes a difference than from fresh water yeah it does a, yeah oh, really? huh. yeah I you see fish that. better with a uh a copper and other companies have different names for that color yeah and uh yeah it, i have a pair of those and it does it, it's better than the gray and the brown huh for salt water didn't know that yeah
0: well, I'm strictly a gray guy, so if ever I take up saltwater fishing, I'm going to have to convince my wife I need new sunglasses or something. She'll just roll her eyes. They're out, a so. little spendier. Oh, yeah? Those custom <laughs> colors yeah. than just old gray and brown. So. Yeah. Well, us living here in the supposed fly fishing capital of the lower 48, how many people do you see coming in, weren't wearing their glasses, and they end up with a hook? That's somewhere? very rare. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Good. it's usually in their ear okay yeah yeah well <clears throat> the my stepdad uh he was a he saw himself as the world's greatest musky fisherman or not the world's greatest but he, he just found great pleasure in casting these three pound musky baits out into the big fork river and uh one day he's down there, and there's this little eddy below our, our our place where our family's trailer house was, and he does his back cast, and he hits a limb with when he's doing his back cast. Well, that line then short wraps around and catches him right in the back of the head, just about the time he's going forward. So he comes walking up to the house with two treble hooks from a great big pikey minnow buried in the back of his head. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) My mom drives him up to Little Fork to the hospital, and uh, he walks around with a bunch of stitches in the back of his head. But it got me, at at that time even, I was thinking, man, what if that would have got him in the eye or something? Because back then, in the 70s, nobody wore eye eye protection
1: for fishing. No, no. Well, a picture of a guy... With a great big pikey hanging out of the back of his head, that'd be worth something, I would think. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to publish this on the internet unless
0: you do this, this, or this. Yeah, well, unfortunately, back in those days, I don't know if our family even owned a camera. In the few pictures we had in Big Falls, your house burns down like every 10 years. Uh So people are like, where are all your pictures when you were a kid? lost them in fires Uh, (laughs) our local volunteer fire department the joke back in the day it's it's made a huge upgrade now but the joke used to be they never lost a foundation (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I watched my Uncle Al's house burn down. I My dad had two houses burn down. Treat's house burned down. Liljblad's, Thompson's. Oh, man. The list goes on and on. This is a town of 500 people. Wow. And I, I was rambling this off when my Uncle Mike, uh, who grew up there, when we were in New Mexico last year, uh, we got on the topic of how uh, how many uh house fires we'd seen growing up, and the camera guys were looking at us like, well, do 100,000 people live in this town? No, 500. And there's been that many houses burned down? Mm,
1: yep. <laughs> but, uh... Well, the trees must come right up to the town. Oh, yeah, it's... Yeah.
0: It's, uh... Anyhow, someday I got to go back to Big Falls and do a podcast and, and grab those old boys who've seen and heard all these stories. Oh, because yeah. Because they, they lived it and saw it. And, uh, you know, now I look at the volunteer fire department and they're way more trained. They're, You know, they got great equipment and they do these fundraisers. But oh, back yeah. in the day, I mean, like when my uncle held house burned down, they had a brand new fire truck. But nobody knew how to get the water to pump into the hose instead of out the bottom of the truck. So... Everyone stood there and watched my uncle's house burn down. <laughs> and then Vance, the old boy from Vance Gowdy from down the way, he comes up there on his walker and everyone's cussing the new fire truck. And he hits some valve and boom, 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 all of a sudden the hoses fill up with water. <laughs> Too late at that point. Uh, Too late. Yeah. Now those guys are dialed in. I I know most of those guys and and they're there, but how the hell did I get on that topic when we're talking about eye care and eyeballs? Oh, muskie fishing
1: and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah. the musky lure. Yeah, so <laughs>
0: you ever do any muskie fishing?
1: A little. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. The bass fishing spot that I have in northern Wisconsin is so good that you not we fish there every day. You're not going to screw with muskies. We... We, I bring my John boat, my 14-foot John boat. I got a boat carrier that I bought in Seattle. Uh-huh. And you push it through under the lock gate, set it <laughs> on top of the boat carrier, put mm-hmm. everything in there. Um, we just use an electric motor on that lake and uh, push it to the lake. It's about three-eighths of a mile. And then we chain it to a tree every night and oh, okay. the, the bass fishing is beyond the comprehension of mortal man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No no one goes there. Really? Yeah. And huh. it's a pretty good sized lake. Huh. There's no structures on it. No public access. No public access. Huh. Yeah, other than you can push your boat under right. that lock gate. Yeah, well, that's but, why the fishing's so good. Then. Oh, I mean, it's unbelievable. Huge bluegills, too. Right? Really? I ran into a girl, a dad, whose daughter caught a 21-inch crappie off of there. Don't tell me where it
0: is, because when it comes to bluegills, man, I'm on that like a rat on a Cheeto. Yeah. I, I'll eat I bluegills until I grow fins. Yeah, they're good, aren't they? Yeah, I, but that's what I grew up doing, is standing at the dock of our... Little lake, big Olie lake, catching bluegills, watching yeah. them eat my worm. Yeah. I mean, when I was six years old, I knew how to gut and gill and filet or cut yeah. up. We didn't filet them. We cut up a bluegill. Man, yeah. I'd,
1: I'd show up,
0: Grandma, look at all these bluegills I got. Let's eat them.
1: Yeah. We throw. use six, for the bass, we use six-inch floating lizards on a weedless hook. Floating lizards? Floating lizards. <laughs> That's about all we use. I catch some on my fly rod. Oh. Uh, huh. you know. And my son son was catching some on his flower out this summer. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, they explode on that thing. Yeah.
0: So are there any common
1: myths or misconceptions
0: out there? Because part of the reason I want to do this podcast is I go out on forums and websites and you hear all the armchair experts talk about, well, this is what's wrong with your eyes or this is what you got to do or da, da, da. And it's like, why would you take advice from some dude on Facebook or a a website about
1: what to do with your eyes? Go see your optometrist. Yeah. I don't, I don't don't do Facebook, but, um, maybe once a year, but there is a common misconception. I see advertisements all the time for pills that you can buy that are supposed to improve your vision. Right. Yep. And now somewhere in that advertisement, there needs to be a disclaimer, <laughs> and I'm sure there is if you if you look close enough, but, you know, the other than the AREDS2 study put on by the federal government, um, you know, for a supplement to actually help your vision or prevent its deterioration, it has to go through a double-blind study, and then the paper has to be peer-reviewed and yeah. typically, it will be published in either the American Academy of Ophthalmology, the American Academy of Optometry, uh-huh. um, and there's other major publications. But you know, it has to be a peer-reviewed, double-blind study. Yeah. And there's been yeah. some shaky dudes selling stuff. <laughs> Come on, do uh, you a, think people no, would do that, Tom? Yeah, <laughs> I re, I re, I'm, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure about how this went, but when this first started. I think it was 15 years ago, maybe longer than that. There was a guy that that was selling that stuff uh, without a disclaimer, and uh, he made a lot of money. Yeah. And when the F- FDA came to get him, he'd already moved to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I actually know who he was and where he lived, but I'm not going to say anything more than that. Yeah. So huh. d- remember that d- double blind. Peer-reviewed studies. Study. Yeah. Yep. And it probably should have been published somewhere in a reputable in a journal. journal. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, you, you're
0: always going to have those kind of people. I, With my liver condition, uh, I go to the Mayo Clinic every other year and get checked up and taken care of and hand them my credit card so they can hit me the many thousand dollar deductible I have and then they ship me out the door a few days later. Uh, but I always bring back things that I might be thinking of taking, whether it's vitamins or supplements, and I show them what it is. And their most common response is, well, if you enjoy expensive urine,
1: <laughs> that'll yeah, work. I go right through, yeah. yeah. You know, there is a website I should mention that if uh, people have, you know, want to research stuff further and not get too technical mm-hmm. and maybe have some information written in layman's terms, there's this website, allaboutvision.com. Okay. Pretty big website, yeah. allaboutvision.com. And if I was going to just be a regular guy, I'd use the advanced search button. Mm-hmm. in one on my, my browser and I'd type in my search term like macular degeneration or cataracts or yeah, progressive lenses or whatever. And then you can also pick the URL. Right. Oh. So write that allaboutvision.com in the URL and it'll pull up what they have. Yeah. You know, for people to be able to read and understand. Okay. I mean, it, I, I was quite impressed with that website. Really? I haven't been on it lately, but um, well, easy to, to understand. Good. Yeah.
0: Well, so, the, don't listen to the person who just got their ophthalmology degree from Mark Zuckerberg. What you're saying, The, the Mark Zuckerberg the, or else, yeah, yeah. you
1: know, In and Out Burger, yeah,
0: <laughs> those usually aren't the experts that you want to listen to with something as critical as I care, yeah. I mean, I, I'll tell you, Tom, my one of my biggest worries is that my vision will degenerate someday to the point where I can't shoot and then I'm done hunting.
1: Well, you're the bow thing's getting tougher for you, yeah, yeah, that's a tough deal. That bow hunting, I mean. So you got targets out to 50, 60 yards and and then you're over the age of 50 and you got to turn your head to line up and get the, you know, the anchor, the anchor point, point yeah. and, and, the, and then you got low light the sights. And, yeah, yeah. Low light. Man, that's a tough deal. Yeah. Well, I can
0: see that someday I'll have to just hang it up and say it was a good run. Yeah. But. I'm I'm interested in being able to keep going, as yeah, long as I can. So I'm going to eat my broccoli, eat my fish, yeah, not smoke, diet and exercise, and do all those things that your your studies
1: tell me, yeah, will help a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah. Anybody can have access to that the information on the ARED study. It's just that most of the information is not in layman's terms. Yeah, huh.
0: Anything else you want to leave the audience with? Mm. Or have we covered it all? The only th- Golf. Golf. I, I got I to okay. mention so, this. So, okay, but before you do it, Tom, I didn't tell you this. I always tell people the joke I have on this podcast is if it was easy, they'd call it golf. So people are going <laughs> to say, wait a second, Newberg, you're always making fun of these this golf gig, and now you got this doctor there who's going to talk about golf. So let's talk it's about
1: golf. It's a, just a minute, but... yeah. So if you you know you watch the pros play mm-hmm. how many times have you ever seen a pro with a pair of sunglasses on I don't know not very uh, yeah. often
0: Yeah why is that
1: Well it I imagine they 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 feel it distorts their vision um okay. they don't have the same depth perception um et cetera. Et cetera. I'm sure most of those professional golfers, if they had any kind of a prescription at all, they've already had LASIK surgery. But, oh, okay. but they're not wearing sunglasses. And I yeah. see that at the local clubs, too. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, if you golf as much as some of these guys do and you don't wear sunglasses, you're going to be in your sick early 60s when you get your cataracts. Really? Yeah. I mean, they just. But they make golfing sunglasses that are pretty good. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. They're never Polaroid. Polaroid ruins your depth perception around the greens oh. for chipping and putting. Yeah. Huh. So, and then I, I remember, we talked about as you get older, you're over the age of 55 or so, and you need more light getting through to your retina because yeah. your lenses are getting cloudy. I always tell people to get a gray 2 or a gray 2.5 mm-hmm. as the tint in their golfing glasses. Okay. And not Polaroid. Okay. Yeah. But that's the only thing I have to say about golf is it just seems strange to me that how few people wear sun sunglasses when they golf. Yeah. Well, I don't golf, so I wouldn't know.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I guess when you were saying that, uh, I have seen some people, they golf and they, they wear sunglasses when they're walking from the tee box to the green or wherever mm-hmm. they're going to make their next hit. Uh, but then they take them off. Uh, yeah. Do, does it, is there a period of time between when your eye, when you remove a, a, a sunglass, is there a, a transition? It would be within a minute. Oh, within a minute. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if there was a...
1: Yeah. Be okay. within
0: a minute. All right. Because I I know when I uh, uh, take my contact out, it's, it seems like there's more than a minute of kind of like this adjustment period of me trying to get back well, to... your brain's just trying to readapt. Uh, is that what it is? Yeah. And in the morning, is, is this just me because I'm tired in the morning? But it seems like some mornings I get up and my eyes just aren't as crisp
1: as they are at noon or whatever. Is that just? Yeah, that's common. Oh, okay. I mean, when we sleep, uh, the cornea is covered by the eyelid. Yeah. So you're not getting the same amount of oxygen to the front of the eye that you would get with your eyes open. Oh. And they'll swell up a little bit. Okay. Um, when people sleep, I mean. I don't know the cornea might increase in thickness by 5% or I can't remember what it is. Really? And yeah, and so I tell people before you put your contacts in, in the morning, get up, have a cup of coffee, take a shower or whatever, yeah. try to wait 45 minutes and the tear quality and the cornea will return to more normal conditions. Huh. Yeah, but a lot there's a lot of people that have fluctuating vision in the morning. Yeah. Especially for some reason after LASIK surgery and I'm not sure why that is. Dryness in Montana would be number one. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well,
0: I hit all those check I check all those boxes. Yeah. Post LASIK surgery, variation in the morning, and living Living in 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 a dry climate. Yeah. I wonder if people really understand how much the changes in humidity affect
1: some of that. Well, it it certainly It'll clean, suck the moisture out of soft contact lenses. Yeah. So if you live in the Valley of the Sun
0: in Phoenix, Arizona, or Las Vegas, or wherever, man. Yeah. You're going to walk around with those tear, artificial teardrops dropping into your eye. Yeah, there. a lot of people do. Huh. I'm, my eyes are just so sensitive to contacts that I, I struggle with that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. when uh, uh, I i I've tried to wear contacts in Nevada where it's not only dry and hot but it's dusty as hell, yeah, man, I wake up the next morning I got it's crusty yeah, and, yeah, I've got like some serious bird dung in the corners of my eye. It's like is that
1: just your eye that, shit well trying it, to flush the there was stuff that was in there when you went to sleep and it all worked its way towards the towards your nose, and oh. I hung out in that corner there, okay, and that's Yeah, what, that's what it is, huh. Well,
0: I don't like it when I wake up and my eye eyelashes are almost glued together with
1: whatever dried debris my well, eyes. You got sagebrush pollen going on probably right now. Yeah. Is that... They're ragweed. Yeah. Our pollens are really bad. Yeah, pollens can really affect people. Really? Maybe that's what I had. Well, they make good eye drops, over-the-counter eye drops now for yeah. people with allergies and itchy eyes and yeah. alloy zatador Patanol—they're over the counter now. Yeah, I've got use, them. I've got them by the box at my yeah? house. Yeah, no, use I them do. a couple times a day, and
0: shouldn't have any itching. Yeah. Well, Tom, thanks so much. I'd tell everybody to go to your uh, op- optometry center uh, and become long-term
1: patients, but uh, well, they still got a year. Okay. <laughs> and I didn't draw any. We didn't draw any. Permits this year, Kelsey nope. and I, my daughter and my son and I, we went over eighty. Really, in the West. Well, that's what you get for applying for all these super hard sheep
0: tags, and everything. yeah. So I I know how you, your approach is, Tom. Yours is different than mine. You say if I'm going to go and interrupt my fishing or my whatever, it's got to be. Good one. A a really good tag. Yeah. Like you've drawn the Gaunt from real deer. You've drawn all these sheep tags. You've drawn some really, really good tags. Yeah, some good elk tags too. Yeah. But me, I always put a second, third, fourth, or fifth choice. That's like, fine. I'll go. (laughs) Yeah. So that's why two weeks ago I was in Nevada getting a hell of a sunburn. My lip is almost healed now. I had this big crack right down the middle of my lip. That was a fifth choice. Fifth and, choice, but, yeah. Took all my points for a fifth choice, and
1: eek. Yeah, I think my son has. He's thirty-five, so he has at least twenty-three bonus points in Nevada for deer. Really? Yeah. Oh,
0: what are you waiting for?
1: Well, I don't know. It, he, only, I only he still applies, but he just, yeah he just hasn't drawn his
0: no. first choice. Okay.
1: Huh. I only put him in for like two choices. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but well, last year we had a lot of tags. But ter- terrible travel conditions. Yeah. This year would be great to have a bunch of tags because there's no football. I know. That's... That opens up twice as much hunting time. Well, that's what, you know, I think already with COVID, we are
0: seeing, you look at how many people are fishing this summer. A lot. Oh, it's ridiculous. I I almost just stay away from the water this summer. And every place I go hiking, it's like an anthill of people. Yep. I'm worried what it's going to be like this fall for hunting season and then in college towns like Bozeman we've got 8500 people that are not going to be at a football game on Saturday. Uh-huh. So they're going to be scattered around these hills here somewhere.
1: Be more like actually be more like 17,000. Yeah. people that aren't going to be at a football game. Okay. Well, half of them yeah might be hunters yep. in this town.
0: Well, you take 8,500 more people and you spread them around these hills, around Bozeman, I'm going to have to bring my own rock to stand on.
1: Yeah. No, it's going to be different. Yeah. I
0: mean, I think at all these college towns, Bozeman, Missoula, Boise, Pocatello, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on here in the West.
1: Yeah, There's going to be so many people in the hills. I'll tell you what, the pheasants are going to get slaughtered this year. Yeah? That's what I think. Okay. There's a lot of guys that go to those football games that, Oh, would the, would be hunting pheasants right. otherwise. Yeah, they wait and hunt
0: pheasants in late November yep. and December because, see, I, I, they're just not a football game that's important enough to me to, to miss a day of shooting a grouse on a stump or something. Well, you're not married to my wife, so
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have to go. Uh, well, she works at the university. that right, that's right. So you, you guys, you know, it's kind of part of professional duty for her to go there.
1: Yeah, well, you yep. have donors come in. Yeah.
0: So yeah. you you, you don't have, have much go. yeah, you don't have much choice. No. Whereas me, I don't have any reason to be there. No, you I'm, don't. I'm I'm hunting. <laughs> Maybe I'll just go with you. Yeah, tell Jackie, like I talked to Randy
1: and he said that I just you know And he's he got a fifth choice Nevada tag which has a <laughs> success rate of point zero one percent. But I'm still going with him. <laughs> Because last time he sat on his glasses
0: and I had to fix them for him. That's it. So can we tell a quick story about that hunt? When I went and stocked in on that antelope and you and Vaughn laid down in
1: the greasewood there and (laughs) (laughs) you scared the hell out of those guys. Oh, so these guys come, we're laying in the greasewood watching you and behind us, so these guys drive up in a truck, I think, or a four-wheeler or whatever, and they're kind of parked between you And me, but behind me, 60 yards, is a pretty nice antelope buck. And they're getting out of there, and they got their rifles over the top of that hood, and they're going to have to shoot right, basically, (laughs) over the top of our heads. And and we just stood up and started waving arms. No, no, no. (laughs) I forgot about that. And that antelope was still standing there. They were disappointed. Yeah. I mean well, but they were good. that bullet was going to go right <laughs> over the top of our heads
0: cuz I was up on the mountain chasing this thing and I was looking down because you guys were going to wave if I, right. if the stock went to hell. And I looked down, and there's a vehicle down there. I'm like, oh, maybe those guys are, are wanting to watch his stock also. And then when we come back down with the antelope, you tell me that story. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Never know, man. You must have scared the hell out of them when you well, guys I didn't know up... if
1: they, what, what they were Until I turned around and saw that antelope buck standing behind, uh, behind us, I didn't know why they were putting their guns at us. <laughs>
0: I'd completely Uh, forgotten about that. Yeah, you had the the antelope tag in the unit
1: right next to that a few years before I had mine. I think I've had at least four of those tags. Really? In unit 11 or 33. Man, it's clean living. Brett killed a really dandy up there three or four years ago.
0: Oh, that's right. I I never asked how that hunt went. I know you had that tag. It went great. Yeah. Good.
1: Yeah. Are
0: the roads still as bad as they were 10 years ago?
1: You know they are, but um now vaughn my buddy vaughn has a side-by-side we bring okay it's dusty you know it's not an enclosed one yeah but at least you don't destroy a vehicle yeah 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 you you
0: you could blow some tires up there yeah i uh i have a new ford raptor it's got less than six thousand miles on it when i went to nevada i completely destroyed the paint job really yeah you know, you get all these burned out pinion juniper, aspens mm-hmm. that you got to drive through to get to the top of the mountain. Yeah. Just like, yeah, <clears throat> miles and miles of that stuff. I got home on a Monday night when it was dark. Tuesday morning, my wife takes the dog out and she looks at the truck. She comes in, she's like, what did you do to that truck? Well, it's going to
1: happen sooner or later. <laughs> you know, the the Ponca gun is what got my truck. Yeah. That muzzleloader hunt in the ponce, got the squeak of those yeah. stiff oh, juniper yeah. branches. Yeah. If you look at my truck to this day, it's completely covered with scratches on both sides. Really? You don't still have the same I old I got gold. the same gold one, yeah.
0: No. How many miles does that have on it? Now? 440. 440,000. What year is it? 97 Chevy Silverado 5-speed. Yeah. Because you took that truck to our Nevada, hunt. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I'd had like 150,000 miles on it yeah. or 200,000
1: miles There's on. nothing wrong with it. I fixed everything that was wrong with it. <laughs> I'm not going to pay $65,000 for a pickup truck. Yeah. <laughs> not in this lifetime. So I'm keeping it. Oh, 440,000 miles.
0: But it That's only crazy.
1: is used to go
0: on hunts. Oh, okay. That's it. Around, I don't drive it. Okay. Because I don't see you driving it around no, town No, I drive anymore. a Prius. Yeah. Yeah yeah you're a pretty tall guy for fitting in a Prius, Tom
1: It's pretty good. it's better than a Subaru, is it yeah okay How tall are you six six well, I used to be six four, but I've shrunk oh wow well,
0: you you you're a long guy to be sitting in a Toyota Prius It's pretty comfortable though, yeah, yeah. okay. How many miles I'd have on it, it twenty four yeah yeah it, you aren't good for car sales no i it, I, if, I don't buy cars if everybody was like Tom sayther. The economy would collapse yeah <laughs> 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 that's right uh, well Tom thanks so much hey, for, you your, for your friendship for sharing all this information and taking care of my eyeballs for, you bet um, I'll be in to see you whenever thanks for taking care of my wife and her What what did she have PVT what's that stand for
1: the, I can't I can't remember Randy
0: yeah she's something about she's something of the, the clear gel sack
1: is oh uh, uh PVD. Oh, PVD. Oh, yeah. Okay, whatever it is, I, a common thing for people after age fifty. Yeah, that's a whole nother subject. Yeah, so it's pulling on her retina, and you yeah. sh- you send her to some retina ret- guy.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he she's really impressed with him. Yeah, so we're lucky to have him. Yeah, I don't know if it's just because he's young and good looking, or if if he just knows what he's talking about. Yeah.
1: I don't know, I haven't met, he came in and introduced himself, but I can't remember what he looks like. Okay. (laughs) Well, folks, thanks for being here.
0: Hope you're all out doing something fun. Don't sit at home and watch your TV or watch Facebook or anything. You'll certainly be depressed, and I don't know why anyone would do that when you could be out hunting or fishing. But thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Hey, you bet, Randy.